Hey everyone, this is Friend to Friend in the End Time, a celebration of ideas, music, and authentic lifestyles of people from Milwaukee designed to inspire people from everywhere. If you'd like to hear or read more from the great people of Milwaukee, check out kickstarter.com and look for Time of Your Life, MKE. We hope to see you soon. Peace. like but yeah. yeah we should be doing that and I think going through all the punk rock bands and um, you know I'd done demo tape um, with uh, Silent Scream when I was in that um, but then I did hardware after that but we weren't even really around long enough I mean it was yeah. I think it was less than a year you know what my first show was actually a hardware show oh yeah my first no, Gus, I didn't grab any utensils. My bad. Thank you. Um, you know, people always talk about, thank you so much, thank Gus. You. This is great. Awesome. It's like father and spiritual master, all in one. Yeah. Um, former landlord. But um, <laughs> I... Uh, yeah, this, they don't play that chicken. I like the way that... It looks like it's seasoned. Yeah. I don't even need meat, but it looks good. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. People always like talk about their first show, but really, I mean, my first show in that genre, like I, um, I grew up where John did in West Bend, and so right. my first show I went to was uh, actually I saw Ricky Nelson in 1986 for the West Bend Centennial Festival. So right before he died uh, in an airplane crash, Ricky right. Nelson played. Um, and then I went to see, I went to see my next, my first punk rock show because I had to get a ride to go to these shows. I was sure. I wasn't even in high school at the time, so I was, uh, I went uh, to see GBH, and you guys were the opener. The last hardware show. That was your last show. That was the last show. Yeah, it was, it was that was a life changer. There was a lot of, there was a, it felt like I don't know if it, I just felt this way, but it felt like there was a lot of people there. There was a lot of people there. GBH were like the nicest dudes in the world. That's interesting because I thought those guys, I, I mean, I, I don't think they're jerks or anything, but I just assumed those guys would be like raging partiers because, you know, I knew that they had toured with the Cro-Mags and had that kind, of street, that kind of street punk kind of They were vibe nice. I mean, it was funny. They are like, you want to use our equipment? Yeah, we declined them. Like our equipment was actually better than theirs, I think, at the time. Uh, but they were super nice. So how did you? How did you feel about the whole crossover thing? Because it was sort of controversial at the time. Like people, some people were like, "This is not. It's diluting punk rock music." But you know, there's so many bands like DRI and COC and and Suicide Tendencies that were that were riding with them. I thought it was cool personally. Well, um, being at a young age, but I can definitely see that some of the like artistic um, some of the technical aspects of metal kind of crossed over but some of the artistic aspects of punk might have gotten um, a little bit lost or some of the some of the ethics even well so I come from metal I'm a metal background guy 
But not not completely though, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm full on like so. I bought my first record. I bought was when I wanted my own music was Kiss, not not really a metal band, but like yeah. when I was six. And then I discovered Black Sabbath at like ten, and that was it. Um, so I'm old, <laughs> older. Um, so, but you like? Didn't you like like uh, new wave music at the time? Like, well, I like new wave. Stuff, Bow Wow Wow. I like, like, like Anime. I liked a few of the stuff. But um, the big turning point with that for me is when Metallica's Kill 'Em All came out, and I was like, "This is the greatest thing I have ever heard. Love it so much." And there was a lot of the metal guys, and I'm sure they would deny saying this now, and they're like, this sounds like punk. And I'm like, what? And my idea was punk was like like the Dead Milkman. And I thought it was goofy, and like the Dead Milkman, and I didn't know anything kind of about it. I was, yeah, campy, and I was like, and I heard the Dead Milkman, I'm like, and I'm like, oh, is this what all punk sounds like? No thanks, you know? Right. My cousin, who lived in Brookfield but was into uh, punk rock he's like oh I'll make you a tape and he made me a tape with NRK Urshue Disdain Dikroitzen just it was a lot of local it was a lot of local stuff the early Dikroitzen stuff? Uh, yeah because this would have been well, the first album came out in 84, 84 right? Yeah. so it had to have been before that so it had to have been Cows and Beer because this was 83 mm-hmm. And there was like two things that happened, and just kind of pushed me into like I should be in a band. Was that that Croydon was from Milwaukee, and I'm like, this is unreal, like this yeah. is unbelievable, and they are from here. And then there was a metal band called Blacklist that was also from Milwaukee, oh. and I'm like, never heard of them. Oh, it's my favorite Milwaukee band ever. Really? Oh, I love. Do so they have material that I can find? I'll, yeah, I'll check oh, them out. Okay. YouTube will be on there. Um, I noticed you're a Trouble fan. Love Trouble. Me too. Um, but like both of those bands being from Milwaukee I'm like oh I'm like well I'll never be that good and then you start getting and I start getting in a hardcore and it's like you hear some of these bands and it's like I don't know they're not that's not any better than than I am like playing wise ability wise and I'm like I can't play metal I'm not good enough to do metal correctly but I can do this so Scott Shanebeck uh, and I formed a band like 85 or something and that was what band uh, eventually turned into self-denial okay and I self-denial mean, that was the uh, that was arguably like I mentioned the I, I actually listened to that demo of the Clip Boys that mm-hmm. I was telling you about that were kind of an alleged first wave like straight edge band from Milwaukee but I think you guys would be like kind of the real like more of the youth crew kind of style well, straight edge band. At least the first, the first. That would have been more genre. My second band, which was Sound Scream. Self Denial was more, was definitely more metal influenced. And there's a lot. And it's, got, it's got kind of that, um, that s that hardcore type of name yeah. where it's like. Yeah. Well, and then so Dan Gatewood. Yeah. Was the singer. Uh, and he, I mean, he brought in a ton of political... Oh, yeah, he's, he's you know, still... I mean, there's songs about Sandinistas, and, and, you know, you know, there's songs about uh, Oliver North and the whole Iran-Contra thing, and... 
He was building shanty towns at UWM to protest stuff and all this kind of stuff. So it was a weird, none of us drank or any of that stuff. And there might have been, there's one song, My Own Mind, which would have been straight edge, but um, that was, I would say it'd be a more political band. We just happened not to. Um, so with the second band was Silent Scream? Silent Scream. Yeah. And that was full on, that was full on straight edge, the straight edge hardcore band. Yeah. What did you guys think of like the stuff from New York, like Underdog and Youth of Today? So well, that's all. And stuff like from LA, from like Uniform Choice. I love that first, well, I like both Uniform Choice records. That first Uniform Choice record, even though it's minor threat pretty much, I love totally. that record. Mm -hmm. um, I thought a lot of the youth crew kind of stuff was a little too. I don't know. I would def We were definitely more on the DC tip of like, you know, I'm not smashing drinks out of anybody's hand level kind of thing. You had, you know, right. you get some of that stuff. Um, so, you know, we weren't overly preachy about it. I don't think either there. But it was that was definitely. I mean, Silent Scream was. Pretty you know, based on Dave Nasty. Right. Melodic hardcore. Was that kind of, was that one of your guitar playing influences, would you say? Because um, you didn't have that DC sound where I feel in the 90s, or as things segued into the 1990s, there were a lot of bands that were kind of, they were influenced to the point where they were Either unintentionally or intentionally, kind of biting Fugazi with the, some of the jangly yeah. sound, and you, well, you didn't seem time, to do that. Even, well, at even that time, in, the first two bands, I'm on bass. Okay, so I'm playing bass. But even in Loomis, though, you did like a jangly kind of like yeah. Bo Diddley type thing. Well, that, thing. and that was a weird. So Silent Scream singer Mike Chubbuck is also in Loomis. In Loomis, yeah. And a lot of the super like I was kind of the power chord backing. I would do some of the weird picking stuff, but it, that was a kind of a nice combination of um, his guitar playing and my guitar playing kind of meshing together. We kind of played off of each other. So there's definitely that. But I mean, there's definitely a, a line. I did hardware. I'm like, I am tired of doing hardcore. Like, right. I want to do something else. How long of, was was there a gap between yeah. hardware so and while. So hardware, I did sandbox. that. I did hardware. Uh, do you know who Craig Hutler is? He was a guitar player. Um, I don't think so. Not ended Craig. up in a band called Travis with Chris Manfred. Oh yeah, I remember Chris Travis. Fuller from and Chris yes. Fuller. Yeah. So they did a band called Travis to put yeah. on the seven inch, and then he eventually ended up in um, John Lee. Uh, uh, a miniature. A miniature. The band after it, Mirror America. He was in that. Did he move to, was that out of San Diego? No, I think that's when John was living in Chicago. Okay. Um, so initially, that's where it started, where Sandbox slash Loomis started. Um, and we couldn't find a drummer. I don't even think we wrote any songs. Um, and then I was working at a record store and uh, Mike Chubbett came in, and I'm like, what are you doing? I want to start a band. I want it to sound like Husker Du slash Bob Mould slash Super Chunk. That was, well, that was what I was going to say. Your guitar playing reminded me of, like, 
somewhere between between Bob Bo Diddley and Bob Mould. And that was so that was definitely where the the Loomis thing came from. Um, so it wasn't you know it was it was a deliberate switch because uh, my guitar playing in hardware was I mean it was it was pretty much like metal crossover. I mean yeah. that's pretty much what hardware was was a crossover band. A little more, a lot more, like you crew, kind of style-wise, uh, and even with with the lyrics on, in hardware. What was the uh, what was the favorite guitar that you had? I noticed that you were playing like some kind of really small. It looked like a Steinberger like <laughs> guitar. Uh, I didn't have that one long. It was a Honer Steinberger Rebop. Um I bought it just because I'm like I want something smaller. It'll be easier to play. It's definitely small. The body is small. Yeah. But it kind of... Uh, it, it didn't really... I mean, I went to an SG after that. Mm-hmm. So, like, shortly after that. Is that what you played sure. What you played in Loomis? The SG? Mm, I played it sometimes. That's when I started having a bunch of guitars. So I played that. I had a, uh, a Melody Maker. Uh, I had a Les Paul. I had another Melody Maker. An L6S. So I had a bunch of different guitars that I went through. What's your favorite guitar? It's a white Melody Pumper Maker. Pumper. Melody Maker? Yeah, it's a 1986 Melody Maker. It's got a single humbucker in it, and it sounds... It may not be appropriate for everything, but seriously, everything I plug it into, it sounds amazing. It's just like, I plug it in, it's easy to play, it's light. Uh, so that's my favorite. I mean, I have like nine guitars now. I play, Play far less than I used to, and have way more guitars. Yeah. Did you um? Did you start Lombardi Records at? What was that at the beginning of when you guys were Sandbox? You when we were putting out the seven inches, you started that that uh, label, or was it was it, it was a label and were you doing the recording with uh, your bass player? Um. So Lombardi. Well, Lombardi actually started. This is the complex naming thing. Lombardi was originally called Loomis Records. So if you look at the first one where it was Sandbox, it's actually Loomis, Loomis Records. Records. Then when we got signed to uh, Grass, we did a, you know we were doing the lawyer stuff, and it's like, oh, there's a band in Canada called Sandbox. They have the name, blah, blah, blah. And so we're like, okay, what do we name it? How about Loomis? It kind of had something like it's actually named after Loomis Road, in Milwaukee, because which is cool. I think that Rosen, was kind of cool. Chris Rosen, the bass player, lived close to it. I lived close to it. Chubbuck lived close to it. Obviously, uh, Eric, it's our great, drummer, was from West Bend. Yeah, West Bend. But everybody, I think, in Milwaukee recognizes that yeah. name. So that was kind of it for me. And everybody's like, I don't know if anybody else cared what it was called. And it was kind of going with the whole theme of doesn't really mean anything. Right. Kind of meant something, but it was just like, oh, I, I like the way it sounded. So that's where we went with it. Um, Who? Now, wasn't there a, a couple that owned Grass Records? Was a man and a woman? That was Wind Up, I think. Or that was Wind Up, okay. Uh, so Grass was... Grass, be- just to be clear, Grass became Wind Up. It was yeah. bought so by So when we Wind signed up, up it, was, we were, it was through Dutch East India. That was their distro. Yeah. Um, what the hell was the woman's Did you name? pursue them, or did they pursue you? No. How this worked... And ever indebted. Initially, we were we got an offer from Futurist, which was sometimes Sweet Susan's label. Right. 
uh, and we took it to the lawyer. We made some changes and never heard back. At the same time, we'd given, we had made a three-song demo, which is actually songs on You're No Tiger, um, and sent that out. And actually, Josh Modell and Jim Miner did all of it. They were working at Atomic. You know, it got to Sub Pop. It got to a bunch of different places. And that's how we got to deal with Grass, because they sent it out and pushed it. That's really cool. You know, I, I just got an email from Jim, and, um, you know, I, I'm having him... Uh, write something for the book because he was always uh, and, and I Josh too although I I didn't I only knew Josh as a, an editor because I wrote for Milk mm. but Jim between being in Compound Red between working at the record store setting up shows having all these contacts through the magazine through Atomic he was doing so much of what he currently like right. he was he was basically putting himself through school a DIY school to to prepare him for the job he has now. I mean, that was what he that dude wanted to do, and I lived with him. I mean, it's like he was like very determined to. He loved doing that kind of stuff. He loved and networking, and I hate that word, but it's like no, yeah, well, but, but you got to do it. I mean, well, I just I don't like it because I try. I tend to see networking as more of just like good I, things happen when you put when you're good to people, and and it's like and when you're. Uh, as far as with your own band, I mean, I guess if you're if you're really looking to get something, that is networking. But I just kind of feel like if you're nice to people, you're gonna get you know, people, people are usually gonna be nice to you back. I think I have the same kind of. I have a disdain for like um, terminology, like business terminology, corporate, and corp speed. Yeah, yeah. Corporate, like I hate it where I work for what I do. It's like no, I'm just gonna call it something normal. I'm not going to. You know, we're not going to synergize. We're not going to, you know, this is our space. Whenever yeah. it's like you watch anything, like we're in the space. I'm like, holy shit! Like, it's unneeded. Um, but yeah, but I, I mean, he did do the networking. But that was, but you think about the whole DIY thing. It was like we knew Compound Red and we knew Dis, who knew the people in Lawrence that did the Feast of the Sybarites comp that Compound was on. So then we knew right. those guys, and I did the. the uh, 7-inch with this, and they got the panel donor guys to be the B-side, and right. then this was on 12-inch out of Champagne, so there's like this weird triangle, and I mean, that was a lot of networking, like, oh, we know these guys, we know those guys, and, and then when you found bands you hooked up with that, that you worked well with. That you clicked with, yeah. Well, I mean, like the Bray guys were in Champagne. Yeah. It all kind of, it's a small Well, world. I mean, it's like even... And then for touring... You even think about being nice. Like, we played with Kaylee Shrine, Loomis, and Promise Ring then opened for us, like, a couple times, and then I was like, you know, they just... They zoomed off into the thing. Yeah. And then we opened for them, but it was like... It, we, we never treated that. It was like, we want you guys to play with us. You know, we really like your music. Eric, our drummer, actually kind of brought it up. And the, actually, the Von Bolin brothers came to see my punk rock bands, and I sold them our demos and stuff yeah. like that. So I kind of knew those guys yeah. and, and that. And From Waukesha. Yeah. So, we, you know, you kind of knew them, but it's the whole thing, like, being nice to someone, like, just don't be a dick to bands. Like, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people thought we were kind of cliquish, because, like, oh, you guys don't let anybody play. And, like, open your mouth and ask me. Like, I don't know. I mean, you know, you have your own thing. I, it's whatever... But then you got some of it. I mean, we got a few 
situations that it was like, oh, you guys aren't, we're not punk rock enough to play certain shows. Yeah. Coming from bands and Milwaukee basement shows too was kind of that way. For sure. They um, did call us when they couldn't find anyone else, and then Boys Life asked for us to play once, but. But Matt when we played. Well, that's a band, yeah, a boy, band like Boys Life. They could fit in, they could do well in a club or do well yeah. in a. But that was the year we knew basement. the Giants, Chair Guys, Boys Life. Yeah. You know, that whole kind of thing. And, Vitri, you know, it's like Vitrious Humor yeah. came to Thanksgiving at our house once because we had, you know, <laughs> like Josh, it was like whatever. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. I. You know, I, I do think that sometimes, yeah, there is this clickishness in Milwaukee, and I think part of that is maybe because it's a very... And you're from the city of Milwaukee. Yes. South side? Born and raised, southwest side, yeah. I think some of that might have to do with that. We're a, a pretty neighborhood-centric city. Like, even if you look at how the scene sort of manifested in River West, and I was kind of Switzerland because when I moved to Milwaukee after high school, like, I was living downtown at, at Sydney High. Right. So it was, it was kind of... So it was like, I kind of... It was kind of living in the hood, because you're living downtown in a <laughs> flipped out building with a bunch of crackheads and musicians. Oh, yeah. But it's also, you know, it's also artsy and it's, mm -hmm. you know, there's some educated people there and it's, it is in a downtown. And, but yeah, River West had this, you know, there was, you get some attitude. It's, it's all no big deal in the, in retrospect, but maybe because we're, we're like a neighborhood centric city we get some of that where it's like super like even be you guys your your band and then like a band like the speed freaks i mean i know you guys are friends and you played together but like there's a total difference between like this north side oh north yeah side, south we side. met and i like we i met dan uh, new year's eve 1985 because we went to see him they were playing at the odd rock and decided to talk to me because I was wearing an Iron Man shirt and it's like oh, I'm in the comics but they're definitely like wow you guys have a completely you're coming from a completely different thing than we are and there's all the north side bands that that yeah. they have um, but that was definitely but we really knew we were kindred spirits I mean it was like oh yeah, oh, yeah. like I think it's one of those things like Dan and a lot of those guys also kind of came from a metal background and a more varied, like, for sure. We like all different kinds of music, which was interesting because when I went to punk, it was like the whole, like, oh, it's going to be this panacea that everybody's open-minded. I'm like, you guys are worse than the metalheads, man. It's like, yeah, I got long hair, so I got shit. And I, you know, it was, uh, but those guys was definitely like, oh, these guys kind of like the same stuff. We can pick up some new things from each other. And uh, I remember Dan coming to my house, my parents' house, and I had a Hanoi Rocks record, and it was like, oh, that's great. Like, was excited that I had it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, I like whatever <laughs> rock music. I don't, you know, but then I get, you know, getting into hardcore, you think it's all super intense music, and then it's like, oh, Descendants, like, it's like pop songs. And those guys are great musicians, too. Right. They're, it's like, they're a great it, rock band. Even the, and then the melodic uh, hardcore stuff, or, but then, you know, get into the more the punk like oh the buzzcocks i'm like oh, this is like more power pop to me than i mean like cheap trick you know which i was yeah. big i'm like cheap trick fits in with this kind of stuff totally but they're like even heavier than than the buzzcocks were kind of pop punk so but i think that brought a lot of i think that was like we had a lot of like I yes think, we had I the think same musicians background. real musicians understand that just people that play music can understand that whereas it's like fans that are just looking for this tribal identity kind of don't really get it as much and I I mean I could 
you know, growing up, I could listen to, uh, as I can now, I could listen to uh, Thin Lizzy, and I can listen to Sham Sixty Nine, and mm-hmm. I can, and I can have them on my my workout playlist, you know, along with maybe one odd kind of rock and moody blues song and some FI and I don't know I mean there's all this stuff it, it can fit and and music is really I remember Daniel Higgs said to me in an inter- interview one time he's like music is just really a bunch of sounds and it is I mean there is there is like a time and a place where it's like you feel like like I usually listen to hardcore music when I work out mm-hmm. that's most of what I listen to but it's not all of what I listen to mm-hmm. because it's really just a bunch of sounds and there's nothing to say that, I, that somebody who wears cowboy boots shouldn't be, uh, can't be moving me in the same manner as somebody that wears sure. combat boots. Well, <laughs> I mean, and I've done, I'm super analytical. I mean, with the job I do, how I dealt with what, the What do you do? You do something I'm a computer. user experience designer, which pretty much means I may try to make a website as easy to use and as user-friendly as possible. So, like, the least amount of cleans clicks, the least amount of friction, and I'm sure you've run into things that drive you crazy on the web, popovers, uh, you want to buy something as a guest and they want to make you have a an account, you're like, no, I'm just, bu- I'm not coming back probably, I just, can I just buy this thing? So trying to make that easier, which is, you know, it's, um, one thing it's gotten me away from, I was fairly excited with my opinion for most of my life, like, I'm right, I'm telling you I'm right. And I, you know, this is how it should be. And then I got into that, and it's more like I kind of got an idea of where people are coming from. Like, you know, your experience on coming into music is not my experience coming into music. Like, you have different things, and it usually forms a reason why you like things or why you don't. Uh, an example would be I worked at a place, and this the, the owner's kid liked Metallica, but he liked the Black Elm, and I hated it. Mm-hmm. Still don't like it. And I'm like, you should like the early stuff. He's like, I don't like that. This was the first one I heard. And that was the first time it went off in my head. I'm like, oh, maybe it's because what it's he the first liked time. about Metallica is that record. And that's not on the stuff before it. So that makes perfect sense why he doesn't like it. Um, but people come into things at different times, different spaces. And then you like different things about music. Uh, I have a friend that thinks I don't. Chris uh, Standish from uh, Quencher. He thinks I don't like Super Chunk. I'm like, I don't eat Super Chunk albums. I've seen them six, seven, eight times. And then I figured out, oh, he really likes the lyrics and the things he likes about the band aren't the same things I like about the band. So it seems like I don't like them to him because he really likes one album. I'm like, I don't like that album at all. I like this album. And it's just a matter of what he likes what about he it. What he likes about it. You know, what's interesting to me is, like many people, growing up, I listened to one of my favorite punk rock bands was the Dead Kennedys and I thought it's because of Jello's lyrics and his his great delivery and while that may have been true I don't listen to poetry records you know what I'm saying right so really as I started listening back and I started listening to Klaus Floride's bass playing and Ray's guitar playing which is a weird surf mm-hmm. kind of surf crazy hard, yeah. surf hardcore uh, that was the vehicle that delivered those lyrics to me. So really, it was maybe I could I could argue that it was the bass and the guitar that were just as as effective as the lyrics because, like I said, I don't listen to poetry records. Right. You know? Well, let's even except for Daniel Higgs occasionally, but that's um, about it. 
Fantastic yeah, as always, Gus. Um, uh, DJ from uh, If I Had a Hi-Fi, I can't remember the name, was off that band. We were discussing something, and he's like, I, you know, and he, something about it, and he, what he liked, and I'm like, and we were comparing it, we were comparing things, and he's like, oh, that doesn't sound the same, and then I was like, what the hell is he talking about? And he's a drummer, and I sat down and listened to him, I'm like, oh. I listen to it and I'm like, what's going on here? And it's like, oh, he's listening to the drums. Right. Because he's into the drums and that's what he's that's what he's hearing. The rest that comes with it is is good too, but he's his opinion's based off of the drums. And I'm like, oh that's really interesting. So that was a whole a lot of that is like, okay, so where are people coming from? Like, I get it, and now I'm a lot less I mean I'd be pretty hard. Be like, oh dude, that sucks. How can you possibly like that? And so now it's like, oh I get it. I know why you like it. You like it because X, Y, and Z. And not knowing some of that stuff was in me. Like when I worked at the record store, I could sell records to anybody. What record store were you at? Uh, Mainstream, the metal shop one. Oh, yeah. I, with the cage on 20, yeah, 27th? No, no, no. Or, the original one that was on 76th and Forest Home. Okay. So the one on South 27th opened later than. The metal shop did. Okay. That was a mega store, but. That when, was, yeah. I used um, to go to the Southgate when it was the yes. regular shop. So the was... metal shop was originally where Starship is in mm-hmm. that bike. That little thing, um, and people would come in. This kid came in, and he was in the pop metal. It didn't bother me. I just, you know, I was like, if I like something, I can sell the shit out of it. If I don't like it, like I can't sell something I don't like. And I liked making people happy. In the music, I think is yeah. Uh, music is, music is my <laughs> spiritual okay. realm. Yeah, is music because right. it's what it is. And uh, he came in, and I would sell him stuff. I'm like, oh, you're going to like this, you're going to like that, you're going to like this. And then one day he found out I didn't really like any of it. He was like crestfallen. He's like, how do you know what I like? And I'm like, well, I know what you like. I listen, you know, you, you tell me you like... It's like it's like a chef. You like these like three bands? And I'm like, well, those are, what aspects do you like about that? You're right. going to like this because it has the same aspect. So a, a lot of that kind of can. Yeah. I'm just a lot less of a hard ass about... My opinion. I mean, well, I'm a lot. I, I mean, that's yeah. I like that your opinion, but <laughs> I also think that I think that like as someone who sells music or as a DJ, like if you're an, a DJ, I did that too, yeah. DJ, and not just for for parties, but like I'll listen to the college radio, and sometimes it's like it's just so masturbatory. Like, mm-hmm. and I get it. I I can listen to hours of progressive rock music too, but as a DJ, I want to. I want to think more like a chef, where I can I can kind of put things together in a way that is palatable to people that might just tune in, as right. well as to myself and to my friends. And sometimes I'll just hear this this long stream of really oh, you know long, I, I really was long listening to WMSC the other yeah. day, and somebody was playing shoegaze, and I and, like shoegaze. And I mean, I hate to, but it was, to call them out, but it's like there's a way to kind of learn to, to be a DJ is to kind of there's a there's like a a saying. The D, is the DJ God? It's like the DJ does have this kind of godlike mentality or ability where you can kind of like really influence people, a lot of people, and God in the in a well sense is like over everybody. So it's like you have to. There's a way to, to do it in that in a more um, ecumenical fashion. You know well, what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and it's I know the effects because we when we was at the metal shop we uh, laser. Also had AM 201250. 
AM. Okay, I remember. And that. they were simulcasting, and the FCC's like, nope, cannot simulcast. So the mainstream figured out, like, okay, we're gonna have we had an hour show. Everything was else like just program. They just ran music all day, but we would record an hour every night, and we'd play stuff, and we had to have it in stock. Uh, we know we had, there was like a, but it was an hour long, so it was a little easier than MSU. It was just hour chunks. It wasn't three yeah. hours of death metal. But we had a death metal and a heavier night, and we better have that stuff in. Because people like, what the hell is this? Like, oh my God, and they'd be in the store the next day, and we had to have it. But that's, that's totally, cool. you know, but it's like, what do they want to hear? What do we have? What's good? You know, I, I think things missing, I think it's great how democratized the internet is. But I think it really killing the gatekeepers. Killing the gatekeepers. What, what do you mean by the gate? The gatekeepers. Lay the, the lay, like everybody can do whatever you want. Like I'll go record a song this afternoon. I will put it on. I can put it on streaming. Well, it might take a little while to get on streaming. I'll put it on a Bandcamp. It'll be up in two minutes. It's up there. Done. Go. Yeah. I can do anything I want. And there's gatekeepers being the magazines, record labels, radio stations. Radio stations that could kind of filter some of that, and then you would choose. Like well, magazines, yeah. like magazine writers, like this is back in the day, like, and I kind of, I, I was kind of an opposite. Like, there was guys that would hate stuff, and I would, but anything they hated, I'd buy, because I usually like it. But you would find who the voice was that you wanted to hear to get the music to you. And right. now that really doesn't yes. exist. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, it exists, but you have to really, you have to, you have to look for it. Right. But I mean, think about most e even in the 90s, how many fanzines. I mean, I read fanzines. I read smaller metal magazines, smaller hardcore magazines, Flipside, yeah. Metal Forces. This, I wrote this for Flipside. I wrote for Milk. Um, I wrote for Copper Press. There's one out of, I think it was Baltimore, somewhere on the East Coast, Kick-Ass Monthly, which is where I heard of the Chromex. It was a metal magazine. It was like, oh, Chromex, Crumb Suckers, blah, 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 all this stuff. And, and uh, you do find, you find a writer that, that speaks to you. Yeah. A reviewer that speaks to you. I now think, it's aimless. Like I go on and I search, and I'm like, no, I don't like. And it, it's it's far more work for me to get through stuff. And then I even if you look at friends top ten, like I have people that I've known <laughs> 25 years. And are are you referring to those Facebook things where well, it's not even that, but that just somebody will put their top ten records like of the year. You know, yeah. I follow oh, a bunch of people. Year. And okay. like, top ten records. And I'll be like, I haven't heard a single one of those. No. I don't. I, I don't even know what it is. Well, and that's the thing, though, Dave. You and I know that that's. I mean, you were in the record store, so it's like maybe your opinion was a little bit different. But like, being into punk rock was like, I could find a record from 1979, and it's brand new to me. In 1989, yeah. so it doesn't. The the top ten records of the year have little to well, no importance in my life right well I, I think that's it that's an interesting point on me though it's like I was always like super digger like I, but I, so I you, dig backwards so thinking, right, well right and I, it's you know people like that but it's like I'm thinking how I work is I'm trying to think of a record I bought like, Kill Em All would be a good one um, the first Archer's Award is a good one and I'm always searching for this is this feeling like I and it ha can happen with older records, but it's usually something new that, that, that I don't know anything about. And they put it on, and I'm like, I have never heard this before, and I've been waiting my entire life to right. hear this. I've never, and that's oh, kind yeah. of the that's... things the internet takes away. It's like, you buy stuff blind. Sure. I don't know, I heard this is good. 
That has happened to me, yeah, with new records, and I, I do know what you're speaking And I, I mean, I can pick you. There's certain ones along the way that, like, sure. I heard it. I heard the first Archer's a Loaf in a record store, and the actual record wasn't out yet. And I was just digging through records, and I heard the first song. I'm like, oh, oh, oh that's good. And I hear the second song, and I'm like, holy shit. And they just, for me, kept getting better, and I'm finally like, what is this? Oh, Archer's a Loaf. I'm like, that's the dumbest name I've ever heard in my life. It's a horrible name. I'm like, we don't have it, though. Come to find out, it wasn't actually even out yet. Well, it, was, it came out like two weeks later. I'm frantically trying to find this thing, but I'm always searching for that feeling, and that never, I shouldn't say never, but it rarely happens. It rarely anymore. happens anymore. It rarely, I mean, it's, it's, it's rare enough that when it does happen, and when it did happen, that you remember it. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of thing, like, I can, I visualize, and I'm thinking of it right now, the yes. towels that kill them all. I remember coming up my stairs in my bedroom, shutting the door, pulling the shades down, and putting the needle on my stand that had my record player. I can totally see it right now. I know exactly what was happening. I played it twice. I got on the phone, called some of my friends, had them come over, and we listened to it like six more times. And everybody's like, what the hell is this thing? This is the greatest, and we were like losing our minds. Yeah. Uh, second metallic record, same thing. I was going to the mainstream that I eventually worked at, I went for the bus and it was hot and the bus wasn't coming. I ran to mainstream, got it, and I ran home just pouring in sweat and then put it on. And I don't know if you get the thing, but I, there's certain music that I get goosebumps. Like, yeah. they put it on and certain people get it. I was reading something about it. But like putting that on and I did the same thing. I can picture that whole sequence of me going to get it and hauling ass to, to hear this thing. Because nobody had heard it. And, you know, but that feel, that's what I'm always looking for. Everybody's like, I don't like new music. I'm like, but I'm constantly searching for that thing. But the amount of records I've bought, I mean, I buy at the height in 1983 or four, I bought 100 records in a year. And then it's just, now I'm down to 20 maybe if I'm, you know, if I'm lucky. And it's a lot for some people. How many of those did you uh, maintain? Uh, I got rid of a ton of stuff in the CD purge. Sure. And I bought a lot of it back. Uh, and then I inherited a record collection. I don't sell anything anymore. Because I've had it where it's like, I listen to something, I didn't like it. And then I go back to it, I'm like, I do like this. I just wasn't, whatever the mood, my state of mind at that time, just wasn't there for it. And it's like, sure. I like it. And it may be something, because I'm sure you have the same thing you were talking about, you know, Prague. Like, I can listen to King Crimson, but I can't listen to King Crimson every day, all the time. It's something that happens. Like, I am in the mood for King Crimson. Play it now. Yes. Uh, and there's some bands, like, you put it on and I'll listen. Put it on and I'll listen to it every day. Uh, and it doesn't even have a matter of the quality either. Right. It's like, I don't necessarily like one more than the other. The other one's just easier for me to listen to all the time. Yeah. Um, hip-hop is a great example of kind of this thing, what I'm saying. Like, hip-hop, I pick. I don't have many hip-hop records at all, but I pick the ones I like. Metal records, I can have a hundred of them that all kind of sound the same and I'm fine. And I'll listen to them, but it's kind of... it's, yeah, it's I'm kind of that way with, with like thrash records. Yeah, but, well, I, which is the amusing thing because I thought thrash was the greatest thing in the world and then I kind of came to the realization I really don't like a lot of it. Yeah, well, it's a lot of it's not that good, but there's an immediacy to it that I that well, I, that I, I think, think is amazing. The intensity, and the intensity, that's one of the things I look for in music is the intensity, right. regardless of what it sounds. The like. intensity in thrash kind of can't really be. You can't really fake it. You can fake it definitely, but it's you can kind of tell. Yeah, I feel, and that's why I, I really 
you know, people always want to harken back to the, and they want the Bad Brains to return to that golden age, and it's like, of, it's when they were playing really fast music, and they're just not going to, it's not going to be the same, even if they no, could. No, because you change as a player. You change as a player? You change as a human like, being. I, right, but I don't play, like, I play the stuff that's like I posted something on Instagram, uh, a self-denial song that I played. And I, granted, I didn't play guitar, and I played bass, but it's like... Play it way first off, way more proficient. I was terrible at the time, and second off, I just—it's different. Like I've learned techniques. I do different things. It's like—it's bands will do that. It's like why reunion records are, are usually not good. They're not. Like good. you can't go back to what you were, and usually it's a amalgamation of everything they were, and it kind of it kind of makes it beige. It kind of takes all the specialness out of some of these bands, and sure, it's like yeah, I don't know. That's okay. Yeah, but I don't really need it. Yeah, I had no, I, no desire to see Black Flag when they came here. Uh, I mean, well, it, it, that's a funny thing. Did you go thing. to that show? No. Uh, it, yeah, Black. I'm interested. Black Usually, the big hardcore bands. I'm interested. I like Black Flag. I have all the Black Flag. Sure, I, I'm a huge fan. But, but I don't. And I, I think Greg Ginn is a great guitar player. But I have no interest in seeing him with a band that he sort of just put together at. at Oh yeah, kitchen that table. You know? uh, yeah, I would be. I'm. I would be far more interested in seeing Flag. I don't know if that even I heard that. Anymore. I heard that that was really good. That I'd be far more interested in yeah. seeing. Uh, I. You know what? I'd rather go see Off because it's new. Totally, like, it is new. Right. Give me the. And that's me a the good story band. behind that band. How that came to be. Yeah. Where he just want. They wanted to do something new. And he. And there's a guy. Their singer, Keith Morris, where he's got. He will be spot on because he is who he is. But he also he's got. A really pretty severe case of diabetes. Yeah, so yeah, he's yeah. so he's got some nights where he's not on. Yeah. I, I was talking to a young girl at Dan's shop at Rushmore Records, like twenty-one year old girl who's up here from Chicago visiting. She had all the notable punk rock patches yeah. on her jacket. Nice, nice kid. But anyway, you know, she was like, "Yeah, we saw off in uh, Las Vegas. There's this Las Vegas show. It's called like the Punk. Is it the bowling thing? That's yeah. right. Yes, big fest." She's like, yeah, he really just sucked. And, you know, people were, yeah, you know, everybody was, like, hollering at him, like, you suck. I'm like, well, you know, that guy, he's got, like, really bad diabetes. It's not cool, you know. I mean, maybe he was having a, maybe his blood sugar was really low. It could be. You know? I mean, it's, it's just it's, one of those things. Like, I saw Sabbath because I never had the chance to see him. And I saw, well, at actually, the, I should at say the Marcus, that. Or? Uh, I saw I saw Sabbath, well, Sabbath with uh, Ozzy twice, once in Maryland, and then once here at Ozfest, maybe I saw him three times. And then I saw Dio fronted in '92, and cool. I saw Heaven and Hell twice uh, when they got back with them and changed the name to Heaven and Hell. But it's like, yeah, this is great, but it's kind of a weird facsimile. Like you watch videos, and I'm like, that's not the same thing. You know what I mean? It's like I saw Ozzy Metallica open for Ozzy '86, Master of Puppets. And that Ozzy doing his frog jump, all that kind of stuff. It's not the Ozzy, you know, you kind of get this yeah. feeble looking guy out there. And it's like, yeah. I'm glad I saw it, but I wish I could have seen it. And somebody asked me, UFO, I really like the band UFO. I don't know if you're familiar. I am. Uh, Michael Schenker was a guitarist. He's my favorite musician yeah. ever. Do you, are, are you a fan of the, his Scorpion era material? That's really weird because he sounds like Tony Iommi on that to me. But I like that record, yeah. yeah Not I, as much I like as, it as the other stuff. But um, you go see it, and the singer, Phil Moog, is just, he's feeble and old, and it's kind of like, 
you watch these 70s videos, it's just like this swaggering rock god, kind of Robert Plant yeah. with the tight shirt and just kind of like posing and like... Sure. It's, and it's, I don't think it's as bad. I think the, the biggest, the biggest uh, example of, of this is Van Halen. Van Halen, the epitome of Van Halen is youth. And Van Halen as old people is not exciting right. in the least. Well, and I think vocally he just can't go. Well, he can't do it. But you know what I mean, though. Like it's it's so based on youth, like high that's school. That's a great. That's a great way to put it. It I is. Mean, it is youth based. Youth and musical. then when they got Sammy Hagar, they turned into uh, a middle aged rock band that everybody yeah. could pal. But they were dangerous, crazy, you know. And it was all about like, yeah, that Van Halen makes me think of being a kid. Absolutely. I mean, and a lot of stuff does that, but they I mean, even the last of, album with Roth, Hot for Teacher, it's got a kid smoking cigarettes yeah, on the cover. It's, it's, it's a youth record. It's, it's, That's right, rock it's and very roll. Like, it's rock and roll. Yeah. It makes me think of being a, a kid and like, yeah, this kind of free spirit thing. And it just doesn't work out of that context, I no. don't think. And I, I granted, agree. they did successful with Sammy, but that's definitely like, you know, it's like the Bon Jovi crowd that's in there. It's like, you know, yeah. it's just this kind of smoothed over rock and yeah, whatever. And, and but he, he wrote some good stuff with them, but I just don't think he gets it as a as a rock and roll guy. I don't think he gets that type of Sammy? music. Right. He, I think he does, I think he but he's always that, I, I mean, I, I'll tell you what, he does get it. I think he does get it. The first Montrose record is, sure, is, that, is that same is kind of thing. Fantastic. I mean, and that's big thing on Van Halen is that Montrose, that first one, Bad Motor Scooter, uh, Rock the Nation, that one's got that kind of fire to it. But, you know, he turned into a, like, he's AOR, a, album-oriented yeah. rock guy, like, Can't Drive 55, like, seems dangerous, but not really. Yeah, I mean, it's, Van it's, Halen it's was, really... I Van mean, Halen seemed dangerous, whether they look, were or not. You, you got Running with the Devil, and then you got a song about that you're gonna bust the speed limit. It's like, right, big right. deal. It's like you got Running with the... Well, and they were, and even it's when he just, joined Van Halen, it's a social conscious, like, right now. It's like Van Halen being socially conscious. Like, on one hand, they're like, yeah, great. I love that. You it's would positive, do that. but it's but not. It's not. But, but there, not and there's nothing there anyway. Yeah, nothing I want out of Van Halen. It's nothing you want out of Van Halen. But then it's also sort of like, you know, if you've ever listened to that guy talk, it's like he's, he's, uh, He's not really very so. He's not very socially conscious anyhow. No, well, you hear recently he said something oh, yeah, about yeah, uh, yeah, he I wants. Uh, that, yeah. He uh, he said like we gotta we're all gonna die anyway, so yeah, we gotta start we, having shows we, again. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just that's another that's another. Uh, yeah, that's coffee. a whole different thing. But but I think and I think hardcore is a bit that way too. Like like what's called hardcore now. Like usually I'd be like now it's metal. I don't even. But I don't know. really. I don't really like any of it. Like, whereas there's new metal bands I kind of like, and like metal will kind of reinvent itself every once in a while. And hardcore yeah. just kind of is—I don't know what is, but it's, it's just—I'm not as. I think there are. There's always going to be these bands that maybe will be considered hardcore that are coming out of basements or undetected places that that will reoccur. But there is. Hardcore has because maybe because of the education level of some of the people in the scene, there people are really good at branding, and yes. so you'll have oh, like a, right. So oh, for yeah. example, look at you know heavy metal. You got your you got fonts. You've got oh, you all got the crazy fonts. fonts. You got your same thing Eddie in hardcore. Mascot kind of thing. You've right. got the collegiate fonts. So right. So there's bands right. in Europe 
that we're sweating all this American hardcore that are just starting to now reinvent different eras of hardcore. Yeah. And it, I, I've just listened to it just out of curiosity, and it's just like exactly like, the same. And it's just it's really boring to yeah, listen to, and, and really unexciting. I think I think hardcore, kind of going with that new thing, is kind of really born out of Ronald Reagan and the '80s mm-hmm. and yuppies. And materialism. My parents are divorced. I live in the suburbs. It yeah. fucking sucks. Yes. School sucks. Totally. People are down on me because I got long hair, I got pink hair, I got a mohawk, whatever it is. Because at that time, like now you have a mohawk, it's like, oh, whatever, dude. You got gauges in yours, whatever, dude, you know? Yeah, then I mean, was I'm like, a school teacher. Teachers have pink hair at my school. Well, I it's mean, not it's, a big deal. You know, and I'm walking around with long hair and I'm getting hey faggot all the time. Like, right. or hey, thinking I'm a, a girl and it's like, yeah. you know. That whole thing, and, and that was real. I mean, yeah, that was, riding a skateboard, so you kinda, you get right? Riding a skateboard, like, and that whole thing was real. And I think a lot of that angst and Gen X and that whole or late boomers Gen X kind of thing, Reagan, how the '80s just were. You know, the '80s were this. You know, the '50s were still cool in the '70s, and the '80s are like, fuck you, '50s. We're tech. We're going forward. Everything is forward. Fuck old stuff. Is, is how I view the 80s. It's like, we're moving forward. We'd had enough of this. And now this is this is all new stuff from there. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I still think we're kind of in that, you know, the phone, like, is that when the computer thing kind of started taking off, 80s and all that. So I think there's this kind of line of like, well, we're not the 50s anymore. Because it was big greasers. And not that there wasn't greasers or there wasn't um, stray cats and that kind of stuff. But that was a lot. I mean, it was a lot bigger. I mean, I remember kids when I was in school in the 70s, like, they were greasers, like, and that went away in the 80s. Like, it was your yeah. metal dude, or you were a burnout. I don't know if that's just a Milwaukee thing, or because, like, my father, uh, my dad grew up on 27th and Oklahoma, and uh, right, like, a block away from Leon's, and yeah. he played in a band called the Rat Finks, and, you know, he went to Marquette University, went to Pius, took the bus there from that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So it's like he, being into the Beatles and being into British rock at the time, like, he experienced a lot of like what we went through. He's just being called a faggot. Oh sure. Uh, having pennies thrown at him when their band was playing, like uh, for by greasers, as he called them. That's funny. For like, and they'd be like, "Play some Chuck Berry, play some Little Richard, don't play this British faggot oh, bullshit sure. or whatever." You know? Yeah. No. Um, it, it's weird. I mean, but it's like that, and it it seemed to have carried over into like the seventies. Yeah, sure. That as well. kind of thing. And that, you know, in the eighties, I'm just more thinking of like. Um, you know, the general 50s kind of... The Vietnam War, obviously, was a huge thing separating the 70s, but there's still this kind of... I think that's what caused a lot of people to pine for the simpler 50s, which weren't really as simple as they were talking about. Right, so they... But then I think 80s came, and punk rock came late, you know, late and all that, yeah. and like, screw you, we're starting over, like, redo this, like, reboot this thing. And yep. it kind of was it socially, I think, Generally, not specific, because there's always the assholes that are going to be like, you're not doing what I like and throwing pennies and skinheads throwing pennies at you, which happened to us, but for a different reason. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like this reinvention thing of, of what's going to happen. I think that, and that 80s, late 70s, 80s thing is like a big thing to do with what we call hardcore, hardcore. I mean, I know people like new guys, like, my stuff's hardcore too, and I'm like, yeah, that's fine, but for me, it encompasses like 80s to 90, and that's it's kind of that that decade, and then everything after is kind of just different to me. And there's stuff I like in the 90s, but it's not 
Yeah. Know, it's not Battalion of Saints to me. It's not Articles of right. Faith to me. It's not, you name it. I was, a, I was an 80s hardcore kid, and so it's like I, growing up, or, or being involved in music in the 90s, I was kind of like, I, I was really interested in the 90s stuff, because at least it was new and refreshing. And what was neat to me in, I was interested in it, but I didn't really enjoy listening to a lot of it, to be honest with you. I still listen to mostly like 80s punk and hardcore, but I, I feel like in the 90s, there were certain bands that weren't really hardcore bands that were, for some reason in that genre, bands like oh. Into Another, which were basically oh, sure, a yeah, progressive yeah. rock band. But yeah, they yeah were, I had the first one about that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, they, were on, yeah. Uh, they were on Revelation. Revelation. Yeah. And, uh, I liked bands like that, but what I thought was cool in hardcore was at least it was changing. Like with the, when it became more of a thing. How was it? Good. Excellent. Good. Good to see you. Nice to see you Thanks, too. Buddy. When it became more of a metal kind of thing, when bands like Strife, which were basically like kind of a, a poor man's Metallica. They well, but that's a yeah. So a lot of that they weren't you like a crew and all that stuff that went that way. That was me. It's like this. It looks like jocks and metalheads. Yeah. Playing, trying to play hardcore, like. But I felt like yeah. at least it was, it was something that was new to some people. And uh, what I also thought was interesting was like, in cities like in New York, and for some reason I don't know why, in Milwaukee, where I was living at the time through the entirety of the '90s, there were were um, the, a lot of the hardcore kids who were not white. They were like oh, yeah. Mexican and. And white, and well, a few but, black I mean, there was kids, a big... and so there were like a lot of like there was a lot of like graffiti writing, which was kind of like mixing with hip hop, and I I didn't I mean I thought the hardcore music was kind of weak, but I liked I thought it was cool that people were doing their own thing, and I yeah. used to get shit for that. I used to get shit for for kind of championing that from some of the indie rock kids because they're like, that's just you know that's like children's music, you know, and it's like well you know what man, it's like rock and roll is kids music. And so yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna thing, I'm not gonna tell my son my my son actually thank God likes a lot of stuff I like but but like you know he like he listen to some something that you know he's interested in like marshmallow or whatever and it's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get on this case for that it's like I want you to be what into what you're into well, that's, that's, and I think it's kind of weird when parents I think in a sense parents shouldn't be listening to the same music that the kids well are it's to. funny because my kid I played whatever for my kid and he likes some of it. But he really likes video game soundtracks and classical music. Not bad. And it's like, but, but That's I'm not, not bad. But I'm like, like and listen to whatever the hell you want. Don't let anybody tell you whatever is enjoyable yeah. to you. Listen to like, and I because I know that I'm sure you've seen that. There's the people that are trying to get their kids to be punk rock. It's like I saw a kid at my at, at my son's school wearing a Dead Kennedys shirt. It's like I won't even listen. I don't really like playing certain kinds of songs. They're about things that they. It's like kind of like. A, I don't explain, I don't talk about certain aspects of sex beyond the mechanics of it to, oh, my, to yeah. my nine-year-old. So I don't need to talk about the, uh, I don't need to have to play the song Riot by the Dead Kennedys and then explain what it's really about. Or, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of weird. I think that it's just the parents, and, and this is a small kid. It's not a, like, I was in middle school when I enjoyed that music. This yeah. is like an eight-year-old wearing a Dead Kennedy shirt. Yeah. It's like it's the parents projecting that. My kid's kids. 11, and he'll ask, because I, I never, I, I, I play whatever. I mean, movies are a different thing. Cause I, I know where Movie, it's, yeah. you, you know where the kids, like, yeah. you know where their sensitivity is at. Exactly. Like, and I know what he can handle. And You have to know your but, own child. Uh, but you know you're talking about, you don't want to talk, talk about this thing. It's like, okay, well, they're, they're complicated I know he's, issues. he's going to ask me. Yes. So I need to be prepared for, for 
for what he's talking about. Yeah. And uh, my, my kid's fascinated with swearing now. He's 11. So all those kids, are, they're all fascinated with swearing. It's an interesting concept. Why is it well, wrong? And it's yeah. taboo. Because it's just a mixture of letters. Right. Well, and he's funny because he's like, you don't care. And I'm like, no, I don't. But you need to realize everyone else does. And there's also a context. Well, that's right. It's like, like there's a context. I mean, when you're with, you're with your buddies, that's one thing. When you're in the classroom, that's another thing. Well, and also, like, the way I, you know, I'm not you, but it's like, like, what I have in my family is like, um, taking my kids to the skate park to do BMX it's like it's wild because it's like oh, yeah. you know, I've raised my kids in a in a I don't keep it like I don't I'm not fronting but like you know I got them into scouts so we're like with you know saying the pledge doing all this right, right. kids are, are being nice kids and I'm like alright we're gonna go do some BMXing they're like rad and we go and it's like there's kids smoking joints swearing, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like I'm like well you know what you, do, you guys know what's right. You don't have to do what they're doing, but they're not bad people. I said, the only thing I want you guys to be aware of is if someone's putting someone else down. Like, that's where... Yeah, or, I, and, I, and, and, and as far as swearing goes, like, my son... My sons will be like... like I'm like, if you fall down... Like, I get it. But you don't want to use language in such a, uh, a frivolous way. Let's save those words for when it's really important, or when something bad happens. You right. know what I'm well, saying? Well, and I think there's another thing where it's like it's different to fall down, say, using that example, yeah. and you say, "Oh shit," and then looking at something and saying, "You're a shithead." Exactly. Like that's that's it's totally different. different. Like knowing, trying to teach the nuance is the hard thing with like me not caring. It's like there's a difference, and it's a difference oh, yeah. in how you say it and what your inflection is and what your how you look and. There's a lot to it that's that's beyond the word. And, and this is what's, what's really complicated, Dave, is, and I was waiting for this to happen, and it just happened the other day at the West Dallas Skate Park. Um, you know, uh, my my sons, thank God, have never even grown up around somebody using the N-word. Oh, yeah. And my kids also, like, the rap that they listen to is usually pretty radio-friendly, mm-hmm. and... And the stuff that I listen to is from the '80s, so it's not. There's not really right. a lot of efforts in it. Right. And so there was a total white trash stylist dude hanging out with black kids, red hair, just zits, just total white trash dude, dropping the N word. And I said, and my son heard. It. He's like, Dad, that guy was saying the N word over there. And uh, I'm like, How is he saying it? And he's like, He said it. He was being nice. And I'm like, Well. I'm going to tell you right now, it's never cool to say that. Yeah. But, and that's what I tell my students at school, too. I, I seem like, you guys just should stop using that altogether. It's my opinion. But I said there are some rappers that say that, for example, and, yeah. and they say it because it's kind of like, it's okay for them to say to each other, but it's really not cool that that kid says it. But I'm sure he doesn't mean to mean it in yeah. a bad way. Because this kid was actually a nice kid. He's just a total. He just, he, just a total. Right. And I'm, I'm being. I don't want to sound mean, but he's your typical. Right. We have this. Speaking of crossover, we have this second generation crossover of white trash kids, where it's not like the white trash kids that are with mullets. These are like white trash kids that are listening to hip hop yeah, yeah. and, and smoking, and, well, that's the and whole, they, they kind of yeah. they try to talk like gangsters. And it's like that's just kind of, so it's, it gets confusing. But I'm like basically. I do draw a line. I'm like, yeah, Abraham, it's never cool to say that. But that doesn't mean that guy's a bad dude. Just don't really say the word. Yeah, I, I had I had. But he's going to start listening, because he likes hip-hop. Yeah. He's going to start listening to hip-hop where, where he hears it more. So I've, uh, I had the kind con- you know. It's you complicated know, he, to explain. My kid's like, somebody said the N-word. I'm like, here's why. 
this is it from you. You personally never say it. You have, you have no business saying never. it. Never. And you may hear other black people saying it to each other. It's completely different. Uh, they're, you know, it's, and it's how they say it, depending, you know, whatever. Sometimes it's a cheerful greeting and sometimes it's, a, it's demeaning, but within that culture, it's one thing. A white person saying it, it doesn't even matter if you were singing along the lyrics, don't do it. Just, it's a word, just to, just leave it alone, because it's not, it's not to use. And it, we have the same thing talking about gay people. It's like, you know, you might hear gay people calling each other the derogatory words, but it's not derogatory between them. Coming from everyone else, it's, it's viewed as derogatory. Yes. So, like, just let's keep those, just let's yeah. get rid of those words and not just use them. But yeah. You know, as a teacher, I've, I tell my students who are not white, which is all of them, uh, I'm like, you know, you guys just really shouldn't even use the word. And that's just my opinion. Because I think it would just be, it would just, it would, it, it would make our language, it would make language a lot simpler. And, yeah. and uh, we do speak a common language, and whether we like it or not, or whether other people like it or not, we're becoming more integrated as a culture. Well, you, you so it becomes I, confusing. It's con I think it's confusing, and I think you get to a situation now where there's a whole... If you do not know the background of who you're talking to, um, gender words, and all that, and there's so many rules, like... You can't be get like it becomes if I an, you have to do an equation. And you wanted to be called them or they. I am not trying to. Hurt. I don't know them. Right. I don't know you. Like if I don't know that, I I can't assume and I yeah. can't. And there's people that want to be called him and not they. Like I. So I don't know uh, yeah. what that is. But I, like, it was funny because I used to when I was younger. I'm like it's all words. Who cares? It's just it doesn't mean anything. It can't hurt you. And now I'm kind of full circle. And it's like. Um, just how the political thing is and how people use words well, we speak as the violence. Same if we're going to have a language. But, but you know what I mean? They're using words as violence as, as far as like lies and, and perpetuating false narratives um, causing harm by words. And I'm like, oh. And, and maybe just because it was a simpler time and it was a lot more straightforward, I, you know, back in 70s and 80s. But now it's like, you know, reality is in question with where people are coming from. It's like, what is, you know, where are they coming from and, you know, where are their set of views yeah. and, you know, okay, and, but, you know, I definitely don't think you're right, like, yeah, I don't have that whole thing, everybody's like, well, that's my opinion, I'm like, well, yeah, there's a point where your opinion may be wrong. Yeah, and that we can call people out of that. I do think that, I think that we do need to be sensitive in terms of language, but I also think that there should be just a, ideally, an overall heightening of civility and, yes. and of, of, Kind language, and of I'd even say proper language, because if you're looking, if you're thinking about a culture where people are are just saying things that are uh, are hurtful all the time, it just doesn't. Uh, it's not going over too well. No, um, I don't think so. I and mean, it's it's. I think it's one of the things with my son. It's like please and thank you always happens, always, always. I don't. I, the swearing is whatever. But please and thank you and be nice to people is huge. And, he, and, 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 and I think I've done a fairly decent That's job good. that way. But it's like, it's thank you for everything. It's like, yes. you know, you need to be courteous. You need to be courteous. And and, and I got it from my mom. But here's an example. Uh, and being vegan or vegan, vegetarian. No, I'm a vegetarian. 
so maybe you go through Taco Bell. So I go through Taco Bell, and I'm getting food, and they say, you know, they're supposed to say, how are you doing today? And I say, good. And I say, how are you doing? And they're always like, thank you for asking. Yes. Like, I mean, and it does so many things. It made them feel better. It, it can it cause a ripple made, effect. Right, and it probably makes the whole experience for what I'm getting better, and it's just... It makes everything better about it. And it makes things easier. And that's yeah. one of the funny things that, that I'll have a, a student who's like, uh, I can say the N-word because I'm 50% black and I'm half black, half Mexican. Uh, but you shouldn't be saying it because you're just you're Puerto Rican. And then it, the kid will be like, well, actually, we're Puerto Ricans are a mix of this. So it turns this weird math equation. Right, and right, I'm a right, math right. teacher. And so they're like, and then I'm like, what if, and I'm just always clowning around with these guys just to see if I can get under their skin. I'm like, well, what if I'm 2% Aborigine, 48% Mexican, 50% Black? Is it okay for me to say it then? You're like, what? Well, yeah. I'm like, I mean, it's like, it just, it becomes so confusing. Yeah. It would be easier if we're just, can we just be nice to each other and just say yeah. things that, that are, just use words that are nice to each other? I, I think... Yeah, I because would agree it's like, with that. I think there's a situation like if you were ever around, um, it doesn't bother, like, it doesn't bother me when people say the anymore, but it's like when people are like trying to, and these kids are actually they're really trying, they're yeah. really trying to figure out like when it's okay, so they're kind of discussing that. But I'm like, it seems to me it would be easier maybe if we just kind of forget using words that are have a violent uh, history. Yeah, right. No, I would agree. I mean, it, it, it's like from a linguistic point of view. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, and I think there's different dynamics where if I'm in a closed group, like I have certain friends around oh, yeah. and it is just, it's brutal. And like other people yeah. have witnessed it and they're like, dude, he's being so mean to you. I'm like, no, no, no. That's no, the way I've, we talk. I've yeah. known these guys. Yeah. This is how this goes. I'm not right. hurt. I'm not offended. No. I know what's happening here. Yeah, but yeah. That you have people that call you motherfucker. But, but what you're talking about, it's like, thing, if, yeah. if you have people yeah. from outside of that, totally. they see it and they're like, oh my God. And that's exactly what you're talking about. It's like, you know, so if we do this, it's like, yeah. you, you know, have not having other people around and like, yeah. well, like, he's so mean. I'm like, no, he, it, none of it's been. It, this is all an yeah. act. This is a weird little, and it might be some weird man game or thing that's going on, but we just always kind of do it. And it's, you know, it's, a, I think it's kind of this amusing thing we do. And nobody's <laughs> ever, but nobody's ever mad. You right. know what I mean? It's no, it, it never, ever gets to the point of anger. Right. Well, like guys Raz guys, like Shane, Shane well, Beck's really good at that. Like, right. Well, that's who I'm talking about. Me, Mike, <laughs> Shane Beck, and Eric Anderson. Uh-huh. Um, and then, but you never wanted to be Mark Farm or uh, Matt Tennyson because those guys, they can't handle it. No. And I can handle Farm it. Farm gets sensitive. And, you know, my idea is, like, I get back and I'm like, I, you, the idea is you got to give it back. But if you yeah. sit there and take it and get angry, they will, you're, it's, you know, like blood in the water kind of a thing. Like... And, you know, they like Razzin Tennyson. I don't know if you know Matt Tennyson. Oh, they yeah. like in his yeah. temperature. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they look, they, you know, I'm as high as it can get. But, um, but yeah, it's like, <laughs> who, what personally can handle it? You know, and then there would be time. I'm like, okay, it's like, let's, let's, let's cool down. But, you know, it always was a turn on somebody. But if you didn't respond in the correct way, you would just, they, you just get piled on. And it's, yeah. it's horrible on one hand, you know, on the other, but... You know, it's I know what's going on, but if you can't handle that context, it's yeah. like you don't be there. But you've been in Van Van. Yeah, is a crude place. Very crude. It's Two in the morning, 
everybody's gorked out because he played the show and he's been up since six because he had a drive and it gets weird and you know totally yeah well all we can do is really kind of take care of our children yes no that's my thing is like get him you know be a good father uh something I I didn't get like I mean one my one thing is like I won't be my dad to my kid kind of thing but yeah you know I'm you know it's a matter of like I you need to know I'm not your friend but I am your friend and like we hang out I care the like, most for you yeah yeah I mean we can be friendly and do stuff and he likes doing stuff with me but if it comes down to like it needs to be known that I'm no that's not something we do and, you know, and he, and he, I think he's turned out pretty good that way. But, oh, yeah. You know, it's you know, you start bringing other people into it, and they start getting. He's eleven, so you'll start getting with a nine-year-old soon. It's like the other kids, and I don't think that's cool. And someone will gang up on him, and he's like, "Well, I don't know what's going on." And they're my friends, and I'm like, "Part of it's being eleven, part of it's one kid's a follower, and he's just doing what the other kids doing." Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, all you can say is like, you know what? If you guys want to hang with me. You can't do that. And then you need to follow through and go hang out with somebody else. Because they'll change yeah. that. But, you know, you got to kind of, you know, that's the kind of guidance I give. It's like, you be yourself. Be yourself. Teach them to stand Don't up worry about it. Stand up for yourself. Be a leader. Even if you're the only one <coughs> and everybody's following somebody else and you think it's wrong, stay being that one person. Minority of one. And, you know, deal with that. And if you see somebody that's being picked on, do not let that go. Like, you need to stand up for other people because some people can't and won't or right. you know, just don't have that or they're not capable. Yeah, it's not wired that give way. Give them that ability. Like, go and you, you know. It's, it's the other thing, too. It's like, if you want something, ask for it. You will get nothing if you do not ask for it. Somebody else will ask for it. Yeah, right about that. And get it. If you just, the worst that can happen is they say no and you say, okay. Yeah. You know what? It's like I've been in, uh, Dave, thanks a lot, man. Oh, yeah. It's been great.